1: Welcome to episode 36 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve
0: them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, I'm a sometimes filmmaker and a more times podcaster. You're getting no better at these. <laughs> no, and, I hate this bit. <laughs> and uh, joining us tonight, he is the
1: co-director of the Fractured Visions Film Festival and also the co-writer-director of the film Cruel Summer. Joining us tonight, it's Mr. Philip Escott. Phil, hello.
2: Hey, guys. Thank you very much for having me.
0: And thank you for coming on and doing this, sir.
2: Absolutely my pleasure.
0: So, <laughs> back, to, <laughs> uh, back to
1: 1999 for your choice tonight, Phil. You've gone for Call of Us.
2: I have indeed, sir.
1: Yes. So, um, a film I knew nothing about going in. Um, oh, yeah, I yeah. have, have obviously now seen. And um, why this film?
2: Uh, to be honest, man, um. I'm a product of the VHS sort of stores, mm-hmm. and growing up in the, the 90s as a teenager, everything felt like I was getting recommended films, so everyone was like, you've got to check out Fulci, you have to check out Argento, Bava." but then it got to a certain point where I checked everything out, and I started going on my own path, and this was one film I found all by myself.
0: Okay. I think it's fair to say that it, uh, it does liberally try to include elements from all of those directors. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to varying levels of success.
2: So yeah, it's, it's a, a, a film made by film geeks for film geeks of a certain type, which is you have to like Italian exploitation and you have to like slasher films.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that.
2: But I of those things, you are not going to have a good time.
0: <laughs> well, I've got to say, I very much like those things. And uh, yeah, my recollection of Call of Boss uh, was, uh, I, I, I kind of remembered having watched it, and then it wasn't until the scene where they're sitting around the, t- the, the table, and uh, Erica and Tom are kind of trading insults back and forward, and it hit me. I turned this off. I turned it off right around this part, and I never, ever watched it again. And up until up until today, tonight tonight, uh, that was the first time I'd watched it, I think since my failed attempt yes. to watch it for the first time.
2: Was it back in the nineties? Was it when it was first out in ninety nine?
0: Uh yeah, it must it must have been a little bit after that. Um okay. but it couldn't have been couldn't have been much after that. Uh my mm-hmm. first viewing was
1: uh Sunday night. <laughs> uh, of this one And uh, I kind of want to jump straight into it But Phil, I think you've listened to the show before So we're going to try you with something that we try everyone with okay. uh, I would say that there's probably a better than average chance That some of the people listening might not have seen this So, oh, it. uh So Andy's going to put 30 seconds on the clock I'm going to count you in And we're going to try you for uh, your best 30 seconds of obsessive <laughs> call of us Are you ready? Good fucking luck with
2: us Oh, Lord have
1: mercy Okay do you, do you need a second to gather your thoughts? No, I think I'm good Okay Three, Two, one, go. Okay, so Colobus,
2: Big Brother meets Saw, the end.
0: What's that?
2: Bam. Fuck your 30 seconds, son. That's all you need to know, guys. That's all you need to know. Big Brother Meets Saw is pretty spot on.
0: I would say so, yeah. Um, That feels like a bit of a slap in the face of the convention. But uh, I like that. I like that. We're subverting expectation. Yeah, Phil's coming to rattle some cages.
2: Apple cards again turned today, sir. So.
1: <laughs> he takes he no doesn't gu-
0: care who does it. <laughs> he takes no
1: guff from no one. <laughs> um right, well let's just jump straight into this thing. So um straight into the opening credits. The kind of elephant in the room here is how much this theme sounds like the theme from Sysperia.
2: The goblins, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the guys who who did it, Dan Leah uh, oh Leah uh, Tau Twitch. I'm not pronouncing that right, I'm sure it's Daniel Bietowicz and Todd Ockberg. They are self-confessed huge Italian exploitation film fans, and Argento and Goblin obviously are a huge influence, and it was their first film. They just wanted to put as much of themselves into the film as they could, and that music is a, a product of that.
1: And I would say probably also the kind of like, uh, amongst other things, in the opening kind of montage. Well, the uh, the opening themes playing, you've got this kind of the uh, black gloved kind of schemer, obviously setting some stuff up. That's obviously kind of uh, cut from the same cloth as the music. Then,
2: absolutely, yeah. yeah. So Jarlo mm-hmm. and even these guys, they they hardened fans. So they even like Joe Diamato, Which as soon as they told me that, I was like, "You guys made this film for me." <laughs> I found out a good 10 years after actually seeing the film, once I actually got to speak with the guys for the, the first time, and I was like, yes, if I was you guys just coming out of university and I got to make a film, this would probably be the film I'd make as well.
1: Okay. Um. So just just now you've mentioned it, Um. under what circumstances did you meet those guys?
2: So I've been trying to get this film released for a long while now because, yeah, it's i say it's one of my favourite 90s horror films. I just made contact with them via good old internet and Facebook. <laughs> and from there, I was just trying to track the rights down to find out where the, the film belonged. And that took a long while. Five years, in fact.
1: Nice. Right. Okay. Um, and, and, and here we are with Arrow. Arrow, you think, inbound.
2: Uh, I got lucky because Ewan Kant is um, a big slasher fan. And he's a, a perverse fella and enjoyed this film as much as me, even though the average folk will not enjoy this film.
0: i mean arrow have got a good reputation for putting out obscure titles for better or for worse and uh yeah i mean i i think this will to most horror fans this is going to be pretty impenetrable
2: it is it's looking at the the response so far it's been quite fun seeing as either no one knows of it never heard of it or they've seen it forgotten about it or there's a ten percent of hardened fans who are like, oh my god, I can't believe this is actually coming out.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it's it's going to be fun for the the other ninety percent who have forgotten all about it or didn't know about it.
1: I think it could find an audience. I'm not necessarily convinced that I'll be part of it, but I think that there's definitely, <laughs> but there's definitely, but I think there's definitely room there for that to happen.
2: We're lucky in the fact that Arrow have such a brand at this point in time that the the audience is already there waiting for them. They may not all like it, but they'll buy it for the. A chance to own it on an Arrow disc.
0: Yeah, and I think if a film like Blair Witch can find an uh, Blair Witch Two, sorry, um, <laughs> which we've covered on the show, can find an audience, then why not call a bus?
2: Yeah, and I think with this one, it does play into cult film fans. It's a wet dream, I guess. I mean, you've got Linear Quigley in. It's got it's gory. It's got great goblin esque music. And yeah, I just love the shit out of it. To be honest, guys, it's just <laughs> it's one of those films that I sat down. I was fifteen, I think, mm-hmm. and it's just stayed with me ever since. I don't know what it is about the film. It, it's the the haunting music. It's the the over the top death scenes. It's yeah. It's just one of those films that it will not get out of my head. And now I'm going wow. to create in as many heads as I possibly can.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um what I would say is when you come out of the credits, the opening like the kind of the first the first scene proper does a pretty good job of selling you on kind of or disorientating you kind of thing, kinda of really it threw me for a leap, anyway. Yeah. Um and the whole way it's put together I think is really kinda of interesting.
2: Yeah, and I like the um I guess it was very novel at the time with the it was the real world back then, before Big Brother of course, where yeah. the the guys were just like, I hate everyone on this show, I want them to die let's make a film around killing off the people in the real world. Yeah. And it just went from there. But the opening and the end, they're kind of tagged on because they shot the script and it came in short. So they right. ended up, they had a, a hundred page script, shot it, edited it down. It came in at like 60 minutes, 70 minutes. <laughs> and then, Right. If we can't release this. What do we do? And then they had to uh, get creative and pick up a few days of extra shooting, tack on a, an intro and a, an exit, hence why the film makes
0: no sense.
1: I was going to say, because yeah, like, yeah because uh, <laughs> e- even with that, even with the stuff that I, I am now realising is added on, it still comes in really lean, it's like 84 minutes or something.
0: How far then, in terms of stuff that was reshot, um, you've obviously got the stuff in the alleyway and you've got the stuff in the hospital and then the whole big bit at the end, how much of that then was added on, tagged on? Yeah, where were the original beginnings and ends?
2: So it was originally, the opening was the audition tapes.
0: Okay. Right, okay.
2: And the end is the end where Faceless comes up behind her and kind of starts cutting her face.
0: Right. right. Okay, that so, makes perfect sense. So it's bookended yeah. then. It's kind of bookended and interspersed then by stuff that was shot later, the the kind of hospital stuff.
2: Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Right,
0: perfect. <laughs> right, okay. The
2: house at the end, I believe, I can't remember if it's Dan's or Todd's parents' house. Okay. But yeah, they okay. just had to shoot at their parents' house just to fill in the gaps
1: but um yeah this the, the tacked on intro as i now know that it is that we see is basically okay you've got a kind of this kind of disheveled disorientated person staggering out it's all shot from their perspective uh kind of leaving bloody handprints all over the wall they're obviously having a bit of a time uh get hit by a car end up in hospital mm-hmm. this is the first mention i think or no it's 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 when uh the she gets hit by a car and the passengers kind of f- come out and look at her i think that's when you first hear the word colobos. yes and then it's in
0: the hospital again. It's mentioned, I think, that she can't stop seeing it. Certainly when she was found, she couldn't stop seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favourite characters is in the hospital, the woman in the bed next to her.
2: The lady going through the... Ah, uh, the Lonely Hearts. The yeah. Lonely Hearts lady.
0: Yeah. yeah her yeah. dialogue is absolutely bonkers, and it's delivered... <laughs> it's, delivered <laughs> it's so in, mad, yeah. But it's delivered in a weird kind of old-timey way. She's like... Uh, uh, shrinks and cops you got problems yeah, yeah. with a capital yeah, yeah. p
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no absolutely it's, it fits in with the, uh, the other worldliness as you say uh, but yeah i have no idea what the guys were thinking of other than we need to get a film that is yeah. closer to 90 minutes than 70 minutes so what do we do
0: i'm guessing as well the decision to shoot a lot of it in first person was down to perhaps not being able to get actors
2: yeah so i'm guessing amy webber was probably way gone after that point And probably on to the next gig, because she was the star of the film, even though, is she even famous now? But even back then, she was the the star of the film.
0: Yeah. Well, I I,
2: do wrestling and all that good stuff.
0: A quick uh, search through her IMDb did reveal that she was in the Asylum's Transmorphers.
2: Boom. There you go. Now she's made it. (laughs) (laughs) And this has come from someone who's worked with the Asylum, so... I know when you made
1: it. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so basically the intro just serves the, um, to kind of get across that they're trying to piece together what's happened to her. And basically where, where I'm assuming the film kind of rejoins where it was originally intended to begin, like you say, is with the audition tapes. And it's a pretty handy way to introduce you to the five people that you're going to be watching and despising for the next hour.
2: It is, yeah. And it's, it was a novel way... I go, oh, is it novel? I thought it was at the time, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's been done before. But I don't. It kind of it's yeah. It, it came to me as something very much new at the time in 1999, just having characters introduce themselves via that method via an audition tape. I thought that was that was clever.
0: Well, Gaspar Noé is picked up on that. Here, uh, climax opens like yeah, that.
2: <laughs> exactly. But back then, to for me, that's like, wow, okay, that's it it's all exposition, but it's done so well. It's like, ah, you kind of justified the entire hammy sort of script writing oh exposition <laughs> approach being thrown at you. But it's like, ah, it all it all fits, it all works. It's
1: yeah. Clever. Yeah, it's like it's a very convenient exposition dump because <laughs> yeah. it happens in a way that doesn't really feel like an exposition dump.
2: And they don't have
1: to talk about the characters
2: ever again after that. It's like, <laughs> like two minutes Tell me everything about yourself, and then I don't want to know anything else about you. That's it.
1: <laughs> so um, I think it would probably it would probably uh, serve as well at this point to do a quick shoot through the the characters that you do meet.
0: And I think their introductions um, do a pretty good job of kind of giving you a flavour for their character. I guess kicking off with Tina.
2: Yeah, and she's a she's a lively one. I mean, anyone who pisses in the cup and gives that to a customer is she's the wild card. I'm sure.
0: Oh my god, she uh, that's one of my biggest fears. <laughs> like it's never stopped me from eating a meal in a restaurant, but I just always feel like it's happening, especially if I complain.
2: Yeah, exactly. Eric. Which that guy does—an uh, th- impatient jerk—and gets a a cup of piss for his his uh, assholeness.
0: <laughs> but also, painting her is quite an arsehole.
2: Yeah, <laughs> hence why she's the first to die.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair, fair.
1: <laughs> also, in this in the certain intros, we've got um, Erica who. Uh, is kind of a caricature of yeah, every kind of, of narcissistic actress character. Uh, ever, yeah,
2: with the girl trying to bust out a genre cinema into more acceptable film roles. Trying to be the the sexy starlet, even though she wants to be the complete opposite of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, the air-quotes woman of substance. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of felt you like... you can that, can't you?
0: <laughs> I kind of felt like Parker Posey must have watched this performance for, in Scream <laughs> 3, because uh, it's very close, and visually very similar.
2: It is, yes. But my, my favourite... Interestingly, I don't think the guys actually get their names, do they? The girls say who they are, but Gary and Tom, they don't say... Say their names, so you have to wait until later in the film yeah, to know right.
1: what their names are. Um, I can confirm that because uh, when I was taking notes on this, I have comedian and posy guy who, <laughs> I,
0: went, who I, I went back and wrote the names in later after. I the did time. exactly the same thing. I drew lines and then filled in on the line what their names were. Because so that Tom IMDb. is
2: the douchebag. Yeah. Gary is the academic douchebag. <laughs>
0: <That's> <laughs> also, unhelpful. Un- un- it's a crucial unhelp- distinction. <laughs> um, unhelpfully, that IMDb profiles do not have their photos on them.
1: Oh balls! <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that turns it into a whole other logic problem, doesn't it? <laughs> but but
2: Tom does look like he's called Donny Terranova.
0: Yeah. If on. there's
2: any, ever a man called Donny Terranova, <laughs> it's that guy. <laughs>
0: That's a fair one. And uh, crucially, of course, the, the other oh, sorry, you. I kind of wish that the character was called Donny Terranova. Was like, exactly. The, like,
2: like, just play yourself, dude. Yeah. I feel like you are playing yourself, so yeah. you just embrace it.
0: It feels like a bad comedian's name, but he's got that kind of real, That you know that hair that everybody had in the late 90s, early 2000s, where it was kind of looked like it was messy, but it was really meant to look like yeah, that. Yeah, he spent an hour and a half kind of get every
2: strand up in the air to perfection.
0: Yeah, like have a hair that
1: a lot of Rachel Green's boyfriends had. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but but interesting little um, tidbit for for Gary's introduction. where he's giving his spiel to to camera, the the dudes in the background to a moonin.
0: Oh yeah.
1: The yeah.
2: directors.
0: Ah-ha. Oh really? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, in
2: I, I, a cameo on.
0: I was going to say uh did oh, you mean the two guys in the wife beaters with the new metal goatees?
2: <laughs> That's it. Yep, yeah, that the one the goatee is Todd.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that it's really interesting that this film uh, makes uh, such an effort to have kind of such disparate characters like you say uh, academic douchebag and regular douchebag but like <laughs> introduces them all in such a way that makes none of them appear likeable whatsoever but if you say like uh, that the whole idea of the film's born out of this dislike of the real world then that kind of follows
2: so yeah it was all there's one character in particular in the real world that really got their back up I can't remember what her name is but yeah, they're like, we just a houseful of people like that. <laughs> what is the worst way we can kill them all off?
1: Crucially, in the introductions here, though, is Kira. Yeah. Yeah. Um, our protagonist, um, who uh, we can tell is
0: the alternative one, the, the introvert.
2: One who... Yes. Yeah. The, the artist introvert.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's sweet and troubled with an artist soul, and she's got a story to tell.
2: <laughs> and she's a low rent Jennifer. Who's the one from Jennifer Love Hewitt? Oh, yes, yes, the, the <laughs> stupid Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yes, Amy Weber.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, we're back. We're back in the hospital after this, and we get a little bit more theorising about what's happened. And I can't remember if it's actually explicitly revealed at this point, but it's heavily implied that the person whose perspective we're seeing this from is Kira's. Uh-huh. It is, yes. yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, um, they're kicking around some theories about self harm and stuff like that, which uh, kind of throws up. They have a little bit of an argument about whether or not they think that that's the case, um, and more about the fact that she's still saying call the Boss, <laughs> um, and we pretty much double straight back out of that, and it is time for everyone to assemble, and this happens in double quick time.
0: Yeah, but just before that, we do get Timmy, uh, Linear Quigley, in a rare kind of moment of actually trying to act.
2: Yeah, I had to pull the guys on this as well because they. They used her completely wrong. I mean, it's Linnea Quigley. She, A, doesn't get nude, and B, doesn't die. I mean, I thought those things were in a contract. Whenever she's in a (laughs) film, those two things had to happen.
3: Yeah.
2: But they were like, no, we loved her from all her stuff way back when in the 80s. Her application just came across their desk and like, holy shit, Linnea Quigley wants to be in our film? Yes. And they were like, oh, we just completely miscast her, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, that's no, done now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but here playing a psychiatrist, I believe, called Dorothy. Um, almost like unrecognisable from any any role she's done previously.
2: <laughs> yeah, she, she's clothed.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, aye, aye. She's <laughs> kind of doing the thing that uh, Barbara Crampton did in uh, We Are Still Here.
2: What she's doing now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, I guess it's just showing their love for the their roots, really. They love 80s horror as much as, as we do, and It was just the fact that she applied to be in the film. They didn't go seeking her out. It's just a pure fluke of uh, circumstance.
1: One thing I would say as well is because it's kind of organic and because they don't use Linnea Quigley in the way they were used to, it feels way less like stunt casting than things like that sometimes do. Exactly,
2: Especially when they... They homage one of her more infamous death scenes at the end with the, the antlers.
1: Oh
0: yeah,
2: from Silent Night, Deadly Night slash zombie with the eyeball sort of. Yeah, that,
0: I, I was thinking more <laughs> along the wheelchair, the wheelchair. I think any time I see any eyeball getting ruptured, now that's the first place I go. And <laughs> um, we get a wee bit of a a, a kind of nod to Kira's background,
1: uh, maybe some prior difficulties and things like that, because she's in the car with Tina. And Tina mentions that the place that she lives in is, well, she calls it the Wacky Shack.
3: (laughs) Yep.
0: (laughs) Another sensitive portrayal of uh, mental health in this film, Mitch.
2: Hey, it was the nineties, man. Come on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, honestly, (laughs) we we have had... We didn't have uh,
2: mental health issues back then.
1: We we, we have had tasteless depictions of mental health issues coming out of our ears in the last few weeks on this show. (laughs) (laughs)
0: But
2: But, you didn't have ADHD, you were just artistic. Yeah, that's what
0: (laughs) <laughs> um, what is the deal? Well, that was very Seinfeld. Um, what is going on with Tina's eyelashes?
2: It's a good question.
0: Are they bejeweled?
2: They—they yeah, they are. I believe they are '90s new metal. Is that that a thing? Like her whole oh, outfit just looked like '90s rave slash new metal. Yeah, that, it's, it's hideous. <laughs> Whatever it is, is hideous.
0: Eyelash jewels must have been a fad that passed me by. That was a first for me. I, mean, the well, I think well, the
2: entire isn't? fashion sense of this film needs to be bypassed, in all honesty guys because it is dreadful and it's nothing ages this film worse than the fashion
1: I, I think that nothing ages 90s horror in general like fashion though
2: Oh, aye. and it's the worst thing, it came out in 99 so they, they should have known better <laughs> <laughs> they're just like they're in 94 95, like, oh, come on guys
1: yeah they were almost emerging from the haze here yeah you're right, it's like, it's, oh, it's borderline yeah. you should have known better territory
2: it's like, come on, we're, we're almost in the millennium now. Fashion's moved on.
1: Um. Uh, we uh, we get reintroduced to everybody here. Erica comes across exactly as she did in the video, immediately a kind of
0: pain-in-the-arse actress type. Tom, <laughs> straight out of the gate, is an obvious slight like, sleaze. Oh, an unbelievable douchebag in his uh, kind of introductory scene uh, as part of the ensemble. And I think also because there was obviously no immediate way for gary's
1: brand of douchebag to be immediately perceptible in the first couple of sentences what they have him do instead is jump scare them by pretending to be a mannequin
0: i really like like that
2: so he's yeah i guess it goes to the the slasher archetypes doesn't it so he's the the practical joker but even though realistically tom's the practical joker because he's actually a comedian
1: yeah
2: it's like you you get a bit confused their story but i'll go with it
1: also the, the music that they dance to when they kind of all get together loosen up and start starting a party, hardcore it's, rave it's <laughs> incredible it's like that's also like the most incredibly 90s thing because
2: <laughs> yes they would all be into that hard rave Yeah, I no know. one would be like I don't really want to dance to this, really. Yeah, Yeah, it's like
0: all five of those extremely disparate characters were like, yes, this song. Yes. I was cringing so hard at them dancing, and I'm sure they do now with the benefit of some years. But Um, It's
2: not as bad as, uh, you know, Crispin Glover in Friday (laughs) the
0: 13th me, Excuse me, sir. (laughs) Call that dancing, sir. (laughs) That is how I have based my dancing uh, my entire life.
2: Well, I stand corrected. He's a he's a fine dancer. <laughs> that, You're
1: absolutely right, sir. Is that me too? Is, is, like, is that way? I can never go back to any nightclub in Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can tell Kira's alternative. Like you say, she paints. She listens to alternative music. She yeah. excuses herself from the rave, goes listen to alternative music, and that's how we know. Yeah, you... she's an
2: outsider, you know, because she's. Oh, on the upside.
1: And the words of stained. <laughs> um, Tina gets super judgy immediately about the fact that Kira's on medication, to some description, um, and then also uh, goes straight back downstairs and blabs to the rest of the group about the fact that Kira lives in what she now calls a group home. <laughs> um, which is like, um, like cements Tina as being potentially the biggest dick in the room.
2: It is, uh, I mean, group homes in America, if I'm mistaken, they're orphanages, aren't they? Group homes. It's where you go when your parents no longer are able to take care of you. Uh, yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, I, I legit. Thought you were going- <laughs> she just changes her mind about where this poor girl staying. She's yeah, oh, is she crazy? <laughs> Why
1: that's
0: the she... truth, so actually. Yeah, she totally just. Uh, <laughs> she totally just. Um, uh, that's just straight she
2: up made up. up for no reason.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I actually thought you were going to say that when your parents just don't want you. I'm <laughs> <laughs> that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> First kind of proper hardline creepy moment here. When well, they, I don't like, know. Ugh, I would on. I would say just a little bit earlier than that. We oh, get of course, our, we get our first kind of inkling that um, that Kira is maybe uh, working a little bit differently to these guys. When you see, Your
2: hand under the bed.
0: Well, before, even before that, when you see the faceless figure at the window, when they just oh, true. when they just arrive there, it's this kind of if you think the blank from Dick Tracy, kind of crossed with the bounty hunters from Critters. Yeah. That's
2: so incredibly and, specific. <laughs> I was thinking more Psycho 2, you know, with Mummer in the Window. Mm. But I think another thing that I really liked about the film is the, the snowy setting. There's not enough slasher films set in the, a snowy sort of climate. Mm. So you've got ice, you've got curtains. There's very few. They're few and far between. And this is for what I know, probably the only one in the 90s that was in a, a wintry sort of Setting,
3: yeah, off the yeah. top of I my just head, don't I do know it's
2: cool because you, you wouldn't want to go outside, would you? It's cold. No, I'm gonna stay inside, no matter if all my friends
0: are dying. <laughs> I'm gonna take my, my chances in this booby trap <laughs> <Yeah>. house. <laughs> I got my dog,
1: I got my bread, I'm not going
2: outside.
0: Uh, I was gonna say, I do like the fact that they, they use the snow as part of the story later on to kind of, um, I guess to kind of fuck with Kira and fuck with Kira's perception of the events of the film. Mm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they come back later on when they towards the end when they're saying. Kira, the house you're talking about, it's like two old people live there. There was no snow. They don't mm. have an upstairs. Oh, shoot, they shoot, don't shoot. have a basement. They obviously, when they were doing the reshoots uh, the, or the additional shoots, they chuck were that like, in. Yeah, fucking chuck it in. <laughs> Anything else to make this girl look fucking crazy? He's going to say, just throw another layer of crazy on the pile.
2: not <laughs> uh, crazy enough. This crazy orphan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this crazy air quotes orphan. <laughs> um. But yeah, the, the moment I was thinking of was um, just before Akira comes downstairs. Uh, the TV in a room comes on by itself. Yeah. Uh, we get this kind of uh, creepy gentleman who has obviously been uh, hacking some skin off his face. He looks directly into the camera, says, call the boss, today I exist, and then slashes his throat. Yep.
2: Yeah. Played very well by uh, Ilya Volokh. Tried saying that <laughs> three times. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's the, uh, the unsung hero of the film. It's baseless. I mean, he has, yeah, what. Well four or five scenes
1: yeah can't, must be but, yeah
2: he is just just i think it's the the self-mutilation aspect of it is it really really turned my stomach because the, the idea of cutting your face off is like oh jesus christ guys <laughs>
1: but, yeah, it's tasty it's it's, it's pretty <laughs> weird also i think that like it's I'm, now i'm thinking about this in kind of context of the kind of horror villains that you had at the time kind of way more overtly crazy yeah. a lot, you know, kind of like, like way more eccentric in a way that is way more palpable, I think, than kind of a lot of the kind of more stocky kind of villains you had at the time.
0: Oh, right. I'm assuming you <laughs> mean
1: uh, stocky as in the way they walk and yes. not their uh, not their general will. <laughs> yeah, S T A L K Y. The made up word. Right. Okay. <laughs> we meet the director of uh, the film or TV show that everyone has signed up for here. Is it a film or a TV it's show? It's a TV show. It's a TV show. Yeah. So we meet the TV show. Yeah. Yeah, we meet the director at this point
0: who. Does not stick around, but um, is is that long enough to say his hello's? Oh, well, he brings some pizza, um, and he kind of lays down his expectations and his rules in a way that is unnervingly vague.
2: Yeah, his entire scene is redundant, really, isn't it? I think the, the <laughs> most we get from it is that he's Erica's boyfriend. I think that's pretty much. He's the director, and he goes out with Erica. Yeah, that's, there's that's certainly some, all we have.
1: certainly some certainly something going on between those two. But yeah, I'm apparently yeah, they're not allowed to inter- he won't interact at all with them during the filming. They get the house he's watching from a trailer.
2: Yeah, which is a glorified van. That's that's not a trailer. That's a, that's a <laughs> tiny little van. <laughs> Surely you got somewhere else to stay. Don't try- it's cold outside.
1: No. Don't try and tell me that's a trailer, son. <laughs> yeah, that's,
2: I've seen a trailer. That's not
1: a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Kira, again, like they, they they come across some of her drawings here and there's this kind of nice moment, briefly, where they're kind of all looking through it and saying that it's really good and then she starts drawing Erica and then a couple of them kind of turn on to some, uh, flick through some of her pages, some of her drawings to the deeply unsettling images. To the macabre,
2: <laughs> yeah, severed heads and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, um, which uh, I think, honestly, she was kind of taking her life in her hands taking those downstairs anyway.
2: But she's an artist, man, she's got to express herself.
0: Yeah, I think the the acting here is universally bad. (laughs) Um, Any of these extended kind of scenes of dialogue, um, whether sitting on couches or sitting around tables, is terrible.
2: I agree for the most part. The only thing that I can say is redeeming of them on the sofa is watching those terrible, terrible horror films.
0: I've got that up next. As my next Ah. one. Yeah,
2: take a big... Sip of shut the fuck up or whatever she says, or have a cup of shut the fuck up. Like, uh, oh, she can act.
0: I'm assuming here you're talking about uh, Erica yeah, setting when everyone down movie. to watch the Slaughterhouse Factor.
2: Would they get to like part seven? I think. I
0: think well, that there's seven of them. There's at least
1: six. And uh, some yeah. and, and someone I forget which one of the guys it is. I think it's Tom. Gives up midway through the third one. I think, and he um, he, he calls it a day at that point. <laughs> what I would say is. Um, I quite, I quite enjoy all the stuff that we see of the slaughterhouse factor. Yeah, I think
0: I'd really rather watch that. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. Doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it uh, looked. Um, it reminded me of Sledgehammer. Do you remember uh-huh. the the SOV horror mm-hmm. Sledgehammer?
0: I would also like to draw attention. I don't want anyone moving on without drawing the f- attention to the fact that Erica's character in it is Fanny Van Droeven.
2: Yes. Great name,
0: yeah. Strong. Fanny's a name that seems to have died out a little bit, um, and, and I, for one, I uh, think that's appalling. I would, I almost, I almost said I would like more Fanny, um, and I kind of, yeah. So
1: mid Slaughterhouse Factor marathon, Tina heads to the kitchen to get a couple of drinks, and I would say that this caught me off guard.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, why would you expect that to happen? Yeah, <laughs> There's no plausible reason for that to happen uh, you see at the beginning a couple of hands what looks like wiring a light bulb <laughs>
1: yeah
2: then all of a sudden a fucking buzzsaw shoots out the floor like
3: okay yeah
1: uh-huh <laughs> yeah if you're given me a hundred guesses that's not what i would no. have said the mechanism was set up <laughs> no
0: <laughs> it's, it's but, funny though looking at this and thinking Fuck I turned this off before this. Yeah. The last time I yeah, watched this.
2: Before it actually goes good.
0: <laughs> yeah, before it kicks off.
2: And it's from there it's just, you know, it's the train is in motion, it just doesn't stop for the most part. Yeah. And yeah, just that opening death is just so visceral. Her guts spilling out everywhere. She's like, Holy shit, I know she pissed in some guy's cup, but
3: damn to
2: <laughs> die that bad shit. <laughs> They're trying to pack her guts in. It's like, whew.
0: Um, I really love the shot of her dancing guts through her belly slit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. And the nasty sound effect. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: um, I actually, I um, on first one, I had to watch this death twice to figure out what had actually happened. Yeah, me too. Because it's shot in a really weird way. Where yeah, I'm... you
2: can just hear the ping, and then you see a thing in the roof and guts.
0: Yeah. But then another one comes out weirdly out on a mechanism from one of the cupboards.
2: No, oh, yeah, it cuts her in half. True. <laughs> Because
0: why not? I was just like, what? I was
1: like, what the fuck's this? Um, Where's the soul coming from? (laughs) um, What I would say actually is, now we're we're talking about it and kind of looking back through, it does kind of, uh, it dials up the crazy really fast here in a couple of ways because you've got that and then straight after that, that, the shutters kind of start slamming down all around the house. And I was genuinely like... That's bonkers. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck's happening here?
0: Like, you would see that when you drive up in your van.
3: (laughs) Yeah, one of those big,
2: sort of metal, shuttery looking things there.
0: It's like, hey, never mind. Hey, him.
2: Nah, it's fine. It's fine.
3: <laughs>
0: uh, and this isn't even halfway. This is 40 minutes into the film before anything mad starts to happen, and it's still not halfway into the film.
2: Is it that long?
0: Yeah, yeah, 40 minutes yeah. Uh, at the point I felt when... like it
2: was like the, the 25 minute. Half
0: hour back? <laughs> no, no. When those <laughs> shutters close over, that's forty minutes, almost bang on. I mean, I do have a
1: reserved respect. Um, I do have a deserved respect for films that take the time before it kicks off. Yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, I did feel like I'd spent quite a lot of time with characters that I really didn't like before they
0: started dying. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good first one, though. No character <laughs> Tom has one of my favourite lines in the film here when he says something to the effect of "Your roommate got attacked by the kitchen." <laughs> <laughs> He's painting with pretty broad strokes with that
1: description <laughs> uh, But yeah, um, whoever's behind it uh, Ever the showman uh, because when they leave the room and come back uh, our body is gone and our head's been relocated to a serving dish
2: Yes, classy
1: <laughs> Yeah, I thought so
2: But it's one of those things where it's like so what the fuck? It's like, Why is this happening? How is this happening? Why is the director not helping? What is going on? <laughs> and it just maintains that sort of What the hell is going on from there on until the end? And then even after the end. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's say, yeah, it's two days later,
1: and here I am still asking those questions.
0: (laughs) It's that enjoyably charming kind of what-the-fuck thing that you get from a giallo, though, where uh, nothing really seems to make sense, killers appear behind people um, when there's no earthly reason for them to be there. Uh, I found myself warming to it quite a bit. Um, it's all Starlou's yeah, for sure. Yeah, in this stretch, I started to really warm up to it.
2: To be honest, I felt sorry for a couple of the the guys, especially old Gary. Even though he was a pretentious douchebag, he has a very horrible death, and <laughs> it's a thing that the Jarlo does well is kill people in the bathroom.
0: It's it's a it's a really strong death <laughs> that one. Actually, I thought that was really it's fucking gross, sensational, multi-parted, <laughs> and there's multi, multiple kind of
2: and prolonged.
0: <laughs> yeah. What, it gets burnt, it gets kind of melted in the shower first, like, burned.
2: Yeah, acid water all of a sudden comes up the shower. Yeah, it's like, oh, you poor bastard.
0: Yeah. And, and why not?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, obviously that's a little bit down the line. Before we lose Gary, he does have one of my favourite lines in the film that's kind of played for laughs um but before even that we lose the director i think it's worth mentioning because they happen on a tv uh where you see the director being mummified in cling film
2: (laughs) yeah grim
1: (laughs) yeah i I actually i think that this is probably probably not the most disturbing moment in the film but i think that it's the first one where i was like "Fucking hell properly i think that like it was the one that kind of threw me off and they eventually get him down but he's not long for this world
0: because <laughs> uh, he's stuck to the roof, isn't he? Yeah, I yes. think it's important to mention that, Mitch. That uh, they watch him getting mummified in cling film on a television. Then the next room they walk into, he is—he's
2: there glued yeah.
0: to the ceiling. Yeah, we shouldn't—we shouldn't gloss over how strange
1: that
2: is. You didn't hear any of that, guys? Really? <laughs> like no sound—soundproof. I me mean, what the hell? Yeah, you didn't hear someone bolting someone to the ceiling. <laughs>
1: But they start speculating at this point that Erica is in on it and uh, she's denying it and uh, I really like it when she's denying it they don't believe her and Gary says I believe her, she's not that good of an actress (laughs) Touche, of-
2: Gary. Touche. Yeah, I was gonna say sick burn. Right?
1: Gar- well, I was gonna, say, <laughs> I was gonna say sick burn, but the sickest burn is what happens to him in the shower. Yep.
2: <laughs> Somebody stop him!
1: Ooh. No, you're on fire, Ben. <laughs> in the rummaging after this, uh, Kira also finds some intestines in a rocking chair. And at this point, I remember just thinking that I feel like I'd, I felt like I'd been watching maybe a solid
0: ten minutes of just like absolutely bonkers imagery. <laughs> Oh, I—they'll uh, just bombard you with absolute nonsense for, I'd say about right. ten minutes.
2: I believe that's what we'd like to call payoff for him to sit through forty minutes of nothing.
0: I, I agree. I agree. I felt like I <laughs> earned it. I think the first, and <laughs> in, in all honesty, I would say after the kind of first ten minutes, the next kind of thirty is verging on interminable for me. Oof. Okay, um, well, like I'm kind of curious about that because there's a lot, of, there's a lot
1: of faceless hallucinations going on around this. Point. Sure, yes, of like, course. Um, mm-hmm. at odds with um the kind of real world events. Pretty much every time we see Kira, you see a lot of uh, kind of uh, yeah, her hallucinating the faceless villain. Uh, pretty much everywhere.
2: It's a delicate sort of act that they do as well with that because when you think they try so hard to make that girl look insane and an orphan, so when you see. <laughs> All this sort of crazy faceless stuff is like, is she just the final girl or is she actually insane and kind of behind all this? Like, you never actually <laughs> get to pick a side. Like, is she the bad guy? Is she the good guy? Um, like she's just generally insane. Yeah. You, you've gone out of your way to portray her as insane.
1: Uh-huh. I th- I think that when it comes to Kira and her... Well, obviously, we'll get to this when we hit the end, but I think that with Kira, I think that the film asks so many questions about her, her background, her role in this, her uh, mental disposition, and answers almost none of them.
2: Yep. <laughs> but she does go home and there's no parents, so she's definitely an orphan. <laughs> so it was a group home.
0: I'm glad we've <laughs> established that that much. And her descent into madness is very quick. Yes. Um,
2: what is it? I guess she's kind of always crazy, isn't she? I guess, guess drawing heads of is. and yeah. like she draws the the severed head of uh, of Tina. Does Jean need the bed before that happens?
1: I think that um, as it goes on, maybe what appears to be kind of eccentricities to begin with kind of start to when you see all of them, they kind of all start to coalesce into somebody that might just be insane. yes so it's at this point that we get gary's death and as you say it's multi-staged it's brutal and actually the the shower incident where he wakes up in the shower and gets burned with the acid on the face is horrible but see when what and what i think is actually the film's first intervention of an actual physical killer yeah um yeah gary with his mouth open gets kind of hammered kind of mouth first into the corner of a cabinet and it's absolutely fucking sick making i think (laughs) It's, it's absolutely horrible
2: it kind of takes that seeing it from uh, a blade in the dark. Yeah. And he's like, hmm, how can we improve that? Um, make it extra squishy.
0: <laughs> but they're <laughs> at such pains to make this kind of collapsible dummy head that's mm-hmm. spraying blood out. And then they completely undo it all by when they cut back to the real Gary. He <laughs> his just, <face> <laughs> yeah, his face is perfect. Yeah, his face, is just got like a little bit of blood <laughs> in his mouth. Um,
1: I want to just, as an aside, Phil, I don't have Wi-Fi in my flat right now. So I'm okay. having to be creative with where I'm going to watch these films. Um, gotcha. So uh, <laughs> on Sunday evening, I went to um, this very nice uh, cafe bar at the bottom of my road and mm-hmm. um i was just sitting so I, I, I i've been doing this for a couple of weeks now and uh, they must think that i'm an uh, absolutely mental <laughs> what um,
2: is this guy watching yeah the
1: guy who just like sits sits alone in the corner watch, watch, drinks watch, 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 yeah watch. Like, <laughs> nurses a pint and watches a horror film and goes home but literally <laughs> the guy was coming around to collect glasses right as this was happening and I deliberately angle my screen away from the room to minimise that kind of thing, because people are coming in and out of there with kids and dogs and stuff like that, and it's just like just kind of want to keep myself to myself. And it was the one place in the room you could stand and see the screen, and he did it right as a uh, guy face was getting
0: burnt off.
3: Perfect.
0: Did you just did you just make extended eye contact with him? I I, needless to say, I did the exact opposite. I completely avoided eye contact. I was like, oh, cheers, mate, cheers, 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 cheers. <laughs> That's even creepier, mate. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, uh. Can I get back to my snuff film now? <laughs>
2: Do you mind not interrupting me, please? Uh, get some alone time here.
0: <laughs> Excuse me, I'm trying to unwind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, we're weirdly, I think it's quite jarring that we double back to the, uh, the hospital at this point.
0: Oh yeah, crazy, crazy decision. Just the brakes,
1: yeah. Uh, because it's because all it is really is um, uh, them asking her about her apparent self-harming, and uh, I guess it plants a couple of seeds, but I don't think it really needs to be there.
0: No, it's it's just adding dreams upon dreams and visions upon visions and madness heaped on madness, and actually, all it kinda does is serve to undo any tension that the film's built.
2: Yeah, it definitely pumps the, the brakes a bit, but I think it's uh, one of those necessities, unfortunately, where the guys just had to. Get the runtime.
1: Yeah. What, what I would say is that while this
2: needy distributors with their ninety minutes.
1: <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> well I would say as while this is happening, Kira hallucinates that she's in a new metal music video, judging by the way that it's edited.
2: Yes, <laughs> very much so. Um, a Married Manson light version.
1: Yeah, I was thinking like Spine Shank kind of video or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, like uh, meanwhile back at the ranch, the grouper of Blaming Kira. Um they're <laughs> kind of very they're kind of like very deliberately and kind of very markedly turning on her.
0: Which is crazy when you think about it, that they think that this slight girl... Yeah, she's,
2: she's quite small, isn't she? Yep. and though know, she, she became a wrestler, so... Oh,
0: yeah, she, yeah, um, yeah. I saw that while I was trawling through her uh, kinda body of work. But, yeah, I think it's crazy that they think it's hard when there was a man tape to the ceiling. Yeah, it takes some doing. But um, Tom and Erica throw her in the bathroom
1: and lock the door. Yeah. Which, I think, under the circumstances, maybe not a bad course of action. While Kira's there, we get yet more faceless hallucinations. I am at my faceless hallucination tipping point around here, I think. <laughs> um, that's saturation. But uh, faceless cl- crucially leaves behind a blade um, at yes. this point as well, and uh, this is all kind of pulling towards where this is headed, um, and kind of uh, planting seeds. Is it for where we're going? I think so. Maybe it, takes <laughs> that, yeah. maybe.
2: it tries. It does try to plant seeds.
1: Yeah, I think that, I think that that's that's certainly what it's going for at, um, at this point. Erica goes to investigate one of my favourite gore moments in the film at this point um, when uh, she gets her foot hacked off by a booby trap. That's fucking awesome. It is good.
2: Horrible snapping sounds. Oof.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think everything about Ew. this, the actual
0: injury sound editing, I think it all comes together really pretty nicely. Yeah, and the effect's handled in a nice way where it's it's dealt with largely in the dark. So everything, for me, works absolutely fine. Like I think it looks pretty fucking horrible, actually. <laughs> but I think that's
2: part of the... I guess it's a blessing and a curse really, isn't it? I they were so intent on setting up the death scenes to be memorable that everything else kind of falls by the wayside, which for first time film filmmakers is it's a norm, I guess, especially when you're that passionate about a, hey, a genre.
0: Yeah. I think hey, so. I'm gonna throw my hands up to doing that very thing myself.
2: <laughs> um Exactly, because <laughs> it's a horror film. you try trying to sell it as a horror film. You've got to give people horror. You know, you will up the story later. Yeah.
1: You've, you've you've got a point there, Phil. In fairness, um, I think it's it's probably becoming apparent the way I'm talking about it. I'm not the biggest fan of this film, but there's not a wasted death in here.
2: No, and I think oh, are okay, there six? Uh, include the director.
1: Oh
0: the, yeah, five.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I, I think every one of them you remember and. For a couple of twenty-five-year-olds who set out to make a a low-budget little horror film, I think they achieve their, their mission rather admirably.
1: Yeah, but uh, yeah, as the, for the story, War. however, yeah, um, a little bit more of a shortfall there. Um, like I say, we're hurtling kind of kind of towards broadly the end of certainly the story as it was presented in maybe kind of the. The script as shot first time round.
0: Yeah, I really like where it goes from here. When Kira goes back downstairs into the basement and in the kind of games room, um, it goes
2: full on slasher, just her and the, the yeah, killer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'm getting real kind of heavy, Suspiria vibes running about this point as well. Like the kind of chase through the, the the barbed wire, the room with the barbed wire mm-hmm. that is just wire, like the the way it's lit and the like the weird, which she kind of puts her hand on the chopped off head, and then you've got the weird tableau of like all the dead guys and yep. uh, Tina's head's a, a glitter ball and uh, all this stuff. I was like, I am absolutely into this. Also, and the mannequin that keeps appearing behind her. Um, Tom's been strung up in Black dahlia at
1: this point as well. <laughs> <Yeah. Yes. laughs> um, Which, again, I mean,
0: it's an off-camera death, but it's a good one. I would say in isolation, this bit in the basement in this games room is my favourite part in the film.
2: It's full horror at this point, isn't it? I mean, it's... It's a tick box exercise. You've got the discovery of all her dead friends. You've got the killer chasing her around the room. You've got the, her trying to fend him off with the the snook cue. And yeah, it's just it just goes full on slasher movie. And if you're a slasher fan, that's what you've come for. You finally get the payoff. You've had this weird sort of mystery around who is doing this? Why are they doing this? And apparently it's a guy called Faceless. But then he just disappears.
3: <laughs>
2: He's like, okay, so... Who is behind all of <laughs> this?
0: <laughs> um, it's important to mention that we didn't uh, we didn't touch on the death of Erica in any great detail beyond our, what happened to her leg. True, um, because yeah,
2: I say it was the uh, the Silent Night, Deadly Night antler sort of homage, wasn't it, in the pool room?
0: Yeah, yeah, and and again, like we, we also said, very true. And brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I I think it. I think they did a good job. Obviously, there was a a, a real budgetary issue at play here. Um, Oh, yeah. And like I say, I think after (laughs) where I originally turned it off back in the early 2000s, I kind of feel like I I saw the wrong wrong half of the film. Some films, the build-up's better than the payoff. Um, I would certainly say that the second half of this film is where it does its heavy lifting and where it does its best... where it hits its stride before, I think, it drops off. But as we've kind of discussed it drops off any scene that was tagged on later. So
2: It does, yeah. And the, the tagged on sort of endings have been a big bone of contention for pretty much everyone, which is why hopefully when the film gets re-released, they can explain all this stuff and people can re-evaluate it and adjust expectations. But with the, the film itself, when I first saw it, I just got caught up in the geekery, man. I was just like, <laughs> these guys, it's just like, they, they like the films I like for sure. They're doing the things I would do for sure, it's just like this is this made this film is made for me. I'm sure it is. And they sat down and said, "Dear Phil, here's a film for you." <laughs> and it is Enjoy.
1: exciting. It is exciting when that happens, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and it's one of the few times that that's ever happened because most of the times it's word of mouth. You get a film on your radar, you've heard someone speak highly of it, or you've read a good review, or you've you've been recommended to it by a friend. But this is just one I saw in the video store. I thought, hmm. That's a cool cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea what it was. Just went in blind. Just like, whoa, okay. Well, that's cool. It just came in the right time maybe because I was in my hardcore Italian exploitation phase at that point. And yeah, I think it came at the right point and it stayed me ever since as a result. And I'm going to make everyone else like it eventually, <laughs> maybe
1: <laughs> um, I, I kind of feel like we can't talk about the uh, the kind of the attack on extra ending without talking about the real world encounter that we have, the actual kind of in the flesh, if you like, encounter with Faceless that we get.
0: Yeah, right no. Yep. Was this film at any point, was it always called Call of Us? Do we know? Uh,
2: yeah, it was originally, well, they were, I think it was supposed to be called Haunted House or oh. something to that effect or Trapped. Oh, There's something to that, or maybe no. Trapped was the original title. Haunted House was the Japanese title, right? But right. Yeah. right, right, right. Okay. Todd wanted to call it Columbus because he went to the zoo and saw the Colobus monkeys, and read a little plaque that said because they don't have thumbs, it makes it makes them better or something of being a monkey. So he's like, <laughs> oh, so mutilations made them better. Wow. Okay. Oh, okay. And that kind of stuck with him, and yeah, he decided to. Call it Columbus against the, the best. Uh, well, advice of his, his uh, his peers.
3: That's fucking bad. Uh, that was an
2: absolutely <laughs>
0: sort of mental out. story. Like, um,
2: by the way, what does Columbus mean? And he's like, oh. Fuck, they are right. Because now we're just going to have to explain what boss is for the rest of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we just call it Trapped? It would have been so much easier.
1: Well, Andy, you were saying that you thought that Faceless would have worked as a title.
0: Faceless would have worked quite well as a title.
2: You would think, wouldn't you, about, I guess, the Franco movie, Faceless, which is oh, yeah. the remake of... Uh, oh, what's that French film? now Man Without a Face?
0: Oh, uh, Eyes Without a Face?
2: The Eyes Without a Face, yeah.
0: Ah, okay, yeah,
2: yeah. So you had Faceless in 88, so I guess... So kind of recent,
1: yeah, a little fresh in the mind at that time, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, um, finally they exist," says Faceless. Yeah. yeah, and Mitch, what was your take on Faceless as a character and uh, as as visuals, uh, the the kind of visual appearance of Faceless? Um, I wrote Chucky Myers down. <laughs> there you go. That, that's fair. Yes,
2: that's. that's- pretty good
0: yeah i apologize <laughs> um
1: uh,
2: that's
0: good yeah but um
1: i, I think that it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting character um and so am i right in saying is the kind of idea here that people are being freed of their kind of shells by shaving the skin off their face
2: pretty much yes yeah, yeah. so um, i don't think they really knew what they were trying to say to be honest guys just cracking. <laughs> it's a cool image there's a guy cutting his face off How, yeah. Oh, yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of figured that. I kind of th- I thought it was one of those things where like, uh, the kind of iconography and the MO came first and the kind of like, mm-hmm. shaky psychology came after. <laughs>
2: yeah, we should,
1: we'll fix that later, don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it'll, all out, it'll all come out in post.
2: <laughs> exactly, we'll fix that in post we do yeah, all but... these weeks. We'll
1: fine. <laughs> uh, Yeah, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of kind of the- like um, philosophising here about finding your inner truth and things like that.
2: Yeah, which is quite a bleak message if you look at it in that perspective. Because she's a raging lunatic.
0: Yes, she is indeed. <laughs> she sure is. She's a resourceful she's a- one, though. Yeah, she is indeed. She uh, uses her old trusty pal, the open razor, switchblade. Nice. Yeah, and um, yes. yeah, slits Faceless's throat and then jams a pool cue through his head. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not over through, to her at all. Yeah, through his mouth, I believe, <laughs> and out the
1: back of his head. <laughs> um, but again, it's it, this kind of. I think it rounds out this film's perfect score for good deaths. Um, and
2: one thing that I thought was a possible thing they were going to go with it that she was faceless, so I thought she was going to kill herself as a result of killing faceless. But whoa. no, nothing ever became of that. Yeah, she's the new faceless now because she got a scarred up face. Well,
0: so. well, yeah. Well, I, I mean, she. She starts to so she
2: puts a new ad in for the ad that she originally placed I'm guessing because that's her MO she likes to place ads in lonely heart sections
1: yeah. I mean, and actors. I mean we're gonna have to map this out a little bit. Um, <laughs> right. for, for like, um we're gonna have to ground this a little bit for people that haven't seen it. But um so so she escapes ostensibly and then gets discharged from hospital and she heads home and at this point we get into what is obviously your kind of uh the afterthought ending. And I find this profoundly confusing, so I'm open to
0: th- I'm open to theories <laughs> and explanations here. <laughs> one thing I will say is it's extremely long. Um, and if it is intended as padding, it shows uh-huh.
2: it was <laughs>
0: yeah uh, that actually like um uh, that that explains
1: that that explains a lot about how I, like uh, kind of my initial reaction to the scene
2: yep run time yeah it's unfortunate because today they get away with it they could release a film at 70 minutes yeah back then 90 yeah All absolutely possible.
1: you're, 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 you're quite right man if your film came in at 70 if your film came in at 72 74 minutes now no one would care. Yeah. care
2: so, people are actually thankful for it nowadays because films tend to be like two hours long. they like, I just want a short, sweet, 80 minute movie.
1: But, right, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's have yeah. this.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get to the bottom of this. No, <laughs> I, don't <laughs> think that, that, I don't think that's possible. But
1: mm. so she, heads, she, she goes back to the house. She does, yeah. And starts wandering around. As you said, Phil House seemingly unoccupied apart from her. And,
2: a lovely house, though, for a young artist who nice appeared yeah. to have a job.
0: Is she back, wait, is she <laughs> back at the Wacky Shack?
2: I don't know. It looks like a different house completely because it is. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: um,
1: it's the, it's distinct from the Wacky Shack. Yeah, um, uh, nice callback, by the way. Um, but yeah, um, she kind of wanders around, and we get certain kind of uh, not reenactment actments, but kind of like callbacks and kind of hat tips to the murders that have happened in the film. Right. Yeah. Yep. And her face is scarred up at this point. It's obviously kind of on the timeline of events. It's after what we've seen. Correct. Yep. Yep. So she goes so she goes into the kitchen and we see um some extremely on the nose Pepsi product placement and then the <laughs> uh and then the kind of blade thing where you get kind of a, a nod back to Tina's death. Uh she walks past some antlers. Yep. Uh kind of uh strokes them, you hear a voice yeah. kind of calling her name, as uh, she kinda of giggles and says it's only me. You're right as I'm saying this aloud, it does take a really long time. She goes into the bathroom, uh <laughs> there's blood all over the walls, except there's not. Right. And then she sits down at the typewriter
0: at that point. No, she cuts her face as well. Yeah, she, yep, she, she starts did, yeah. doing that. So, I mean, at this point, I mean, uh, like, I... Uh, I, All bets are off here, Mitch. But, and I'll tell you why. Because moments before this, uh, when she's in the hospital, we are led to believe that none of those events actually took place. Yes. So, I don't understand. Because
2: <laughs> I think it comes down to the reality is... It was never intended to end like that, so they had to try and think of something on the spot, and that's never a good position to be in because yeah. you're always going to fail. But them trying to think outside the box, I think that's the worst sort of position to have gone. They should turn something more logical, as in more of a fight scene in this pool room, prolong a few deaths, yeah, go back to basics. <laughs>
1: Uh uh-huh. no. yeah no, maybe like around the time that they were all getting killed off maybe have a little bit more infighting maybe throw in a revelation yeah. there mm-hmm. um but yeah because obviously the film ultimately concludes with her placing either the, so ori- could, the original ads the exact wording a
2: sequel i think so she's going to do it again yeah so how did she do it in the first place because mm-hmm. how did she talk that director into doing this and Huh? What?
0: Unless you're right, Mitch, and this is the first instance of this article, and she is faceless.
1: Yeah, that was something else that I was throwing around, but uh, I haven't connected all the dots there yet. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, get in there, dude. I, don't, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't bother. <laughs> don't torture yourself. It's, 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 it's <laughs> an absolute baffler on ending. It really is. Um, but I think that uh, I'm inclined to be a little bit more forgiving of it with the understanding of the circumstances of how that ending came to be.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, no resources, no money, and, yeah, you're back against the wall. Yeah, gonna, do
1: do? <laughs> yeah, just kind of an, unexpe- an unexpected call for a little bit of improv.
2: Yeah, and then tried to set up a sequel as well, which was probably a bit of an ambitious target to uh, to go for as well. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I suppose did, so. Maybe it'll oh, be a wee but, bit of a fool's errand, but Yeah. <laughs> Um, and at this point, we're out.
0: Yeah, we got another blast, though, uh, of the Not Suspiria theme by Nilbog. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well,
2: William Kidd, as he's actually known.
0: Ah, okay, okay.
2: Composer William Kidd. Right. Um, yeah, they all, they're all university friends, basically, and just decided to make a film after university. And this was the result.
1: So, Phil, this was um this was an interesting pick. Like I say, I knew nothing about it going in, and I watching this for the first time now. I found I would say the first half of it to be uh almost unbelievably hard work. Like i I, like, I, I really, fe- I really felt like I had to dig in, um during that point. I think yeah. that once, I think that once it kind of identifiably changes gears, um I think that there's a little bit of fun to be had with it. There, it does ultimately end up getting extremely muddled, but I think that. Based on what you've told us about kind of uh, it kind of being this kind of first feature out of uh, college or out of university mm-hmm. and it kind of being designed to be um a homage to th- kind of designed to be a homage to the things that they loved and things and I can a lot of the stuff that bothers me about it I can kind of I'm not necessarily <laughs> saying that I'm feeling forgiving of it but yeah. I understand it more
2: and I think I'm kind of like a cine sadist in or cine masochist rather about <laughs> kind of. We kind of Mercedes both Mercedes, have seen through, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> and that too. I, I find it quite interesting when a film isn't a knockout. I like to find out what went wrong during a film. So, like yeah. A film like The Mutilator. Absolutely terrible film, but I love it.
0: I, 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 I mean, absolutely love it. I, I, I actually introduced my wife to The Mutilator <laughs> about a month ago.
2: <laughs> exactly. It, it's a terrible film in every aspect but there's something about it and the same with Colobus. I know it's not a masterpiece. No one's ever going to say that's a top 10 film of all time. But I think if you give it a chance, just literally give it 82 minutes, a full 82 minutes, yeah. and you might think that was actually fun.
1: Um, what I would say is um, that for all the issues that I have, I always think that I would rather watch something that tries to do something unusual and gets it wrong than yeah. what? Than watch a kind of box ticking, <laughs> a, a competent box ticking exercise, and something I've seen a million times before.
2: Exactly. Yeah, I think it's more memorable that way. You're still thinking about it now, two days later, trying to connect dots that you will never ever connect. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll check in like three weeks' time. And, like, have you figured it out yet? And, like, <sighs> still. Dot missing.
0: Yeah, just Mitch with his map with the strings going across it like, in his bedroom. <laughs> yeah. um,
2: some like true detective shit. Yeah. You. Yeah, exactly. entire office. Just like I'm find this.
0: <laughs> Put it together. Just driven mad by collar <laughs> Mitch. Ah, uh, yeah, driven to hack my face
1: off. Um,
0: uh, Andy, any concluding
1: comments from yourself?
0: Well, what I will say, and I think I've already kind of said it, is with the benefit of some years, I think the the problem I had. With Call of Boss and the early running back in the day Hasn't necessarily changed I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head When you, you said you found the first half pretty hard going Yeah I felt the same way watching it again here And then I hit the point where I remembered Fuck, I turned this off And obviously we have the rule where we must watch everything Of course <laughs> um, We must watch it all And I did that And I'm kind of glad I did Because... It, it becomes a far more enjoyable film, much more the kind of film that I want to see than it appears on the surface in the first half. Don't go into Collaboss expecting a masterpiece because you will be incredibly disappointed, but go into it with a bit of an open mind and... And I
2: think it's getting to the point now where it's been so long I mean it's 20 years Yeah, there's going to be people watching this who weren't alive when it was made <laughs> and they're going to be like, what the fuck are these people dressed like? <laughs> like I was when Friday the 13th came out. Like when I first saw that, it's like, people dressed like that?
0: What?
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's going to have that sort of effect now moving forward.
1: What I would say is, I came away from this on Sunday thinking that I would never watch it again. And I think that <laughs> off the back of this conversation, I would now say that I might give it a second look, knowing what I know about how it was put together. And kind of some of the stories that are attached. There was some uh, some interesting insights there. And of just it's worth a mention that this is getting a Blu-ray release in March. Is that right? The eleventh of March. It is March eleventh. Yeah. Um, throughout a video, which is r- remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Phil, before we wrap up, I want to talk about a couple of things. First off, um, we've mentioned *Cruel Summer* a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, during the show, I uh, was around for the world premiere of this uh, for, <laughs> a couple of years back. Um, you'll have to forgive me, Phil, but you at that screening?
2: I was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was. I was there.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think that I, *Cruel Summer* is for me in the best possible way. I kind of watch once and destroy film because it's um, because it's absolutely devastating in um, in a way that I think kind of makes it a difficult film to revisit.
2: No, absolutely, yeah. It was never intended to be a, uh, an entertaining film in the traditional sense.
0: We so were, yeah, I'd have real questions with anyone that put Crow Summer on their uh, kind of into the regular rotation.
2: No, but funnily enough, because um, of Danny Miller's sort of involvement, there was a lot of tweeting going on from his fans. <laughs> and there was some, some, some young ladies watching that film two or three times a day for oh. about a week straight they were having parties and all sorts that's gonna
0: fuck you (laughs) guys
2: what are you doing
0: that's bizarre um i caught it later i I watched it i i I don't remember where it's streaming um i think i want to see now tv yeah it's it's, um uh, sky cinema yeah so yeah i I watched it through through now tv and uh uh yeah i was just holy fucking hell man this is (laughs) this is dark and it is bleak and it is Based, I believe, on a true story. Phil, for the benefit of anyone who hasn't seen it, do you want to talk a little bit about
1: it and kind of how it came to be and what it's, and kind of what it centres on?
2: Yeah, sure. So it's a, a pretty much a, a cautionary tale about a day in the life of four teenagers, one who has autism and three who are, uh, let's say, undesirables. And yeah, some rumours have been spread by one of the, the three antagonists and... It paints the, the autistic guy in a very unflattering light. And one of the maniacs, who is also the head of the main group, decides to seek retribution because of these, well, call them rumors, but they're actually lies. And, yeah, it's just a, a very unpleasant story. That's based on the the murder of um, a young, well, I'll say young, he's 17, but uh, Terry Hurst up in Sheffield. Okay. And, yeah, he was a, a poor kid who went to do his Duke of Edinburgh award and three so-called friends went along with him and then spent the next two days torturing him um, which obviously you could not make that into a film so we had to take some artistic license
1: yeah but I mean um, uh, it's uh, it's one of those films I think that right from the beginning I think right when you kind of get the character introductions I had um and this really uncomfortable feeling in the pit of my stomach from about maybe the two minute mark same you. Um, uh, I th- I think it's a really remarkable film. Uh, I am oh, very you. I'm very cautious about who I recommend it to. In all truth, <laughs> yeah, um, but
2: uh, you have to have a strong stomach.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think I, th- I think it is in the kind in the best sense of the term. It is a bit of a, it's a, it's an endurance test in a way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, but it's it, if, it,
2: have you seen the Great Ecstasy, uh, ecstasy of Robert Carmichael?
1: I uh, know that was
2: another Brit film that came out in 2003 that deals with teen violence and it's just horrific. Right. And it's also Danny Dyer's best film. <laughs> even though he's in it for the, about five minutes. Oh, right, okay. It's a film where Danny Dyer actually shines.
3: Well,
2: wow. <laughs> <laughs> It's stuff like that. And going back even further, I mean, Last House on the Left, I mean, would you recommend that to many of your friends?
0: No, so no. That, and uh, even, at the same things like, things like uh, Eden Lake.
2: Yeah, um, definitely Eden Lake. That was um, a big, big influence. I actually I thoroughly, thoroughly loved Eden Lake when that came out. It... Kicked me in the gonad repeatedly, and <laughs> it's just one of those films. that just like came out of left field. I was like, "Wow, okay."
1: Um, I think if uh, if Eden Lake repeatedly kicked me in the balls, I would say the cruel summer repeatedly punched me in the face.
3: <laughs>
1: um, but not like I say, I mean, I I think that people should see it, but I'm I'm, I'm cautious about uh, yeah. actually sitting people down and saying get this watched. <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: yeah because every time it's been shown publicly that the, the q a's have always been interesting
1: um i remember that uh, when it finished uh, in the in the world primary screening that i was at i remember when it was like and uh, now to the q a portion and i was like oh god how's this gonna go and uh
3: which
2: i, I think always it... the question that came up is why would you make a film like this like uh bowls, here we go it's offended <laughs> someone
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't remember uh, actually yeah. this guy. I do remember I don't <laughs> yeah. oh, <hello>, sir. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember yeah, there was a, there was there was a couple of those, wasn't there? But um no but it's uh is is there anything else that uh, you're kinda working on right now, anything else you want to promote or talk about? Um well at the moment well, I could give you
2: a bit of heads up, but, um I finished the the ring supplements recently, so you know Arrow releasing the ring. Yeah, that's tri- right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Razor just finished some editing on that. I've also just finished Class of 1984, which is coming out soon. Can't Sweet. say by who, but no, that's going to be out in March. And I've just started work on Howard the Duck.
0: Oh my, what?
2: Yes, that's, that's coming out soon okay i <laughs> not say about who but oh. yes how the duck oh. is gonna be on blu-ray uh, by summer this year
0: i yeah. i've got to be honest i just got a little frisson of excitement there <laughs> <laughs> i was like all my dreams have come true um, uh <laughs> yeah. phil uh if people want to keep up with you
1: and what you do on social media how can they do that
2: uh yeah you can find me on facebook uh phil i'm the the philip escott one um i don't know how many there are but i'm one of them. and you can follow me at phil underscore escott on twitter and instagram and yeah i'm i'm around on the socials Is that yeah. how the kids say it the socials socials, the socials. I yeah i'm so. on the socials yeah. you can find me on the socials <laughs>
0: <laughs> phil thanks a lot for doing this we really thank you it. so much man thank you uh, and thank you for bringing us okay. call and good luck with
2: the uh, oh, welcome yeah,
0: good luck with the release <laughs>
2: Oh, no, and thank you again for revisiting it, guys.
0: Well I'll say one thing.
1: I didn't expect to be talked into rewatching Call of Us. But that might happen. But no, you might. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this happens quite often to you.
1: I yeah, I think that um I quite like it when I go in not being too hot on something and kinda of get another perspective or maybe a little bit of context, a little bit of colour around it. I did, I mean I I think I didn't shy away from saying it in the conversation, but I had a really fucking hard time with especially the first half of the oh, film. Oh, right.
0: and, and so did I. So did I. But hey you can't put out the Sunshine Kid's light. Hey, never. Nope, no, he burns brightly. It is unwavering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but no, a
1: big thank you, big thank you to Phil Escott of uh, the Fractured Visions Film Festival and also, of course, the director of Cruel Summer, of which, like I say, uh, I think you should watch it, but I'm not telling you to go check it out.
0: Yeah, I would watch it, but um, be warned, it's pretty unpleasant. It's harrowing, it's, harrowing. Uh, it's The harrowing is a great word for yeah. it. it, it is harrowing. It's harrowing, it's hard work, um, but... But really, really strong. Yeah, absolutely. But with that, we are once again
1: at an end. Yeah, 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 just like that. Also, peek behind the curtain time, but I'm pretty proud of this. We are super on it this week with uh, scheduling... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing, yes. we're doing
0: okay. Let's not jinx it,
1: yeah. lest we wind up doing another Mitch and Andy episode. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, but um, but we're in a good position for this week, and we'll be telling you more about that on Monday. Yes, we shall. Yeah, but when, when we come back with another mini minisode, it's relentless, relentless. We're oh. back with mini minisode thirty-six on Monday. Yes, uh, and we'll be doing all the usual stuff. Of course, we will be talking about what we've been watching that week. We will be mapping my journey through the shockwaves 100 my arduous mordor-like journey through oh. the shockwaves 100 we'll be we playing mitch's pitches as well um with i can already say a healthy level of involvement from yourselves
0: yes and uh keep those coming because they're really good and this uh, what we're seeing here unbelievably yeah. high
1: standard of yeah. audience submission this week um looking forward to getting through those and of course on monday we will announce the guest in film for next friday's episode. In the meantime, yes. please do get in touch with us. We love hearing from you. Facebook and Instagram, Strong Language Violent Scenes there. You can tweet us as well at StrongViolentPC. And you can always drop us an email at strong language, scenes at gmail.com. And yes. just very quickly on the email cake, don't forget that we are in the process of lining up our listener choice episode. We haven't forgotten about that. Just working away. We're looking for your submissions. We have got a previous guest to um, come back. That's going to be happening very soon. But he won't be choosing the film. You will. Indeed. So what we're looking for you to do is drop us an email. It's exclusively email for this. scenes at gmail.com. We want you to tell us, if you were on the show, which film you would pick. We want to know all the questions we normally ask a guest, basically. We want to know your background with the film, why you would have chosen it, why you think it's great, why you think people should give it a second look. We're going to thin these down into the ones that we think best fit the profile. We're going to draw one at random. And in the very near future, we're going to have a returning guest come on and we're going to discuss your pick. Yeah. Going to be very interesting. That's very exciting. And we have had some great. There's some corkers
0: in there. There's some I'm really, really excited about.
1: Yeah, some ones I really quite fancy doing. But uh, more on that very soon indeed. But yeah, like I say, please do get in touch between now and
0: Monday. We love having that big beefy feedback section. Yeah, yeah. So do you listen on Spotify? Or do you listen on iTunes? Or maybe you're listening on Podbean? Maybe you're listening on Stitcher? Maybe you're listening on ACAST or TuneIn? It doesn't really matter where you listen because we're just about everywhere now. Yeah, ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. Please, please, for the love of God and all that is holy, drop us a wee like or a share or a subscribe or if you're feeling particularly generous, a little comment. Oh yeah, why not? A review. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah, big thanks to everyone that's doing that and uh, well, we'll be back
1: Monday morning 8am GMT, yet another minisode, racking them up. Yep, join us then if you can in the meantime don't forget it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds goodbye goodbye you've been listening to strong language and violent scenes with andy stewart and mitch bain strong language and violent scenes theme by mitch bain production and artwork by andy stewart find us on stitcher itunes spotify google podcasts and podbean